Hello and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we review and discuss movies, TV shows, video games, and anything else pop culture. Today we'll be discussing our thoughts on the latest Marvel blockbuster, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. My name is Ivan and joining me today is esteemed Behind the Fourth Wall veteran guest and highly reviewed five-star doctor, Dr. Ben. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Um, don't read those reviews too carefully. Maybe some bots involved. <laughs> I'll always tread lightly on Yelp, I, I would say. <laughs> it's, I just hope people don't read too far. Well, Emmett is currently, um, you know, unavailable here. So he's, you know, this is, uh, I think, the second time I'm recording without him. But uh, he's currently making his way through the Misty Mountains across the Mines of Moria on an important three-film character-defining journey. So we wish him well on this quest to introduce order and democracy over to Middle Earth. Uh, Emmett, hope you're doing well, man. I uh, can't wait to see you come back. Should probably use those eagles to come back here. I think that'll probably make the trip a little bit better, right? Yeah, it seems like it's going a little slow so far. So hopefully the eagles <laughs> will speed you up on the way back. <laughs> For real. I'd say he's like three quarters through fellowship at this point, right? Yeah, I would say, yeah, probably. He's probably in Moria, you know, hopefully, you know, I feel like that Lothlorien scene always drags a little. So hopefully he doesn't, <laughs> uh, hopefully he makes it through that next stretch. Like, what is he, like Ozark's area or something? I don't know. Just just around. That's going to be like Lothlorien. <laughs> for real. Well, we'll get him back soon and hopefully, you know, we'll, the three of us will get a chance to discuss more Godzilla stuff down the, down the line. Oh, I've been monitoring the articles <laughs> as I keep <laughs> sending them to you the second. The sad part is it's not even like showing up in feeds. I'm Googling like, Doctor or Godzilla versus Kong sequel question mark? <laughs> Getting traction, baby. That's what it's all about. Every Monday morning, just like, all right, give me something to this week. <laughs> yeah, waited a whole nother week to Google again. Please be good. <laughs> well, I guess that kind of gets us into our like news portion of this, but like we should probably start there. I did I didn't jot it down in the notes, but like there's a there's a sequel to to, <laughs> to Godzilla three, I guess. Yeah, that's uh that's the headline. I I kind of thought that that would have been the end of uh, you know, the I think Legendary's Godzilla just because like it didn't seem like they had much more to operate with, but apparently they're circling the wagons and giving it another run. I mean, it was fun. I would imagine it would be more fun if it wasn't released in a pandemic time with you know IMAX audiences and everything, but. I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that it uh, that it made the money that it did this last movie. So I, I, I am excited for it to come back. I feel like it, it's it's one of those. I feel like it's kind of Transformers realm for me. You know, these Godzilla movies like. Yeah, I love the visuals. I love the, um, I, you know, the story I can kind of do away with, to be honest. <laughs> But the fact that they focused on the monsters more in this last movie, uh, it gives me hope that maybe the the next one will kind of follow the same treatment. Yeah, that would be my hope, too, is, I mean, the last one was pretty, I mean, pretty condensed as far as like a typical big budget movie goes, right? It was only like an hour and 40 minutes, maybe. I can't remember exact runtime, but it felt like they just hit the beats. And I, I hope that they kind of or hit the major beats, I should say. So hopefully they like go off that playbook again, because, yeah, we don't need a whole lot of um, like I don't need a like human romantic storyline. I don't need, you know, I, you know, I, I don't need a whole lot of depth to the human characters with Godzilla anymore. I think they did a good job of just focusing on the important parts. So I don't know. I'm excited because if you put Godzilla on anything, I'm excited. We, we need less. uh 
Stranger Things kid actors in these movies. I feel like that'll probably help lessen the uh, the time on these human characters. Yeah, I feel like, you know, honestly, let's just go with like real C-list level only stars. You know, nobody needs to be making a big break with a Godzilla movie. I mean, chances are it's not going to like make your career. So, you know, just don't spend money on the people. Just spend it all on the CGI. Just, you well, know. Yeah, or on Jet Li playing Jet Jaguar. I want to see yeah. Jet Li take on <laughs> Godzilla hand-to-hand combat right there. Oh, you know Jet Jaguar is my only... It's probably number one on my wish list for another <laughs> Godzilla movie. I need to see that fully realized. and maybe Now have... I have to, too. <laughs> you know, if you talk about it enough, maybe get get the whisper started, and maybe the uh, the big companies will hear it at the top. Probably not, but that's okay. I've seen um, Godzilla Singular Point, the anime, <laughs> on Netflix. <laughs> my niece, my four-year-old niece, is super obsessed with Godzilla, and I guess whenever her um, her grandpa takes care of her. So I saw it. Jet Jaguar, they, they gave him a lot. He was Basically, he was the main character of that series. So I'm, I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Universal's going to want to go for it. You need, like, a big dramatic lead in these movies, even though that goes against exactly what we just talked about. So... You know why not make a Jet Jaguar a size more or a size changing human Power Ranger in a confusing kaiju monster flick? I mean, it sounds like it's perfect. Might as well. I mean, it's 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 worked up to this point. My knowledge of Destroy All Monsters is being stretched here, but like, who else do we have left? We have we've had uh, Ghidorah, we've had Rodan. Yeah. We have a lot of these, but like, I guess Mecha Ghidorah is still left. I I think that's kind of almost where you'd have to go if they if they do this right because there's no other big like in the, i mean unless they get creative with the library i mean you have like megalon i guess you haven't used but he nobody's really going to recognize him there's like anguirus which is a similar like frenemy godzilla character i mean it, you you've already hit you've already hit the heavy hitters that people like you know the average person might be like oh that looks vaguely familiar so now if you pull any of these others, you're kind of going to be like, okay, who, what is this? You know, who <laughs> are we just like making up random dinosaur-esque monsters? So I'd like to see Mecha King Ghidorah. I think that would be the nerd in me or the geek in me would be freaking out in the theater. That would be pretty cool. And I just flubbed there. I think I said Universal. I, zoned, I, think, by, I think this is Warner Brothers, actually, that's doing Godzilla right through Legendary Pictures. I don't remember. I, yeah, I think it's I think it's Warner Brothers because it's uh, it is legendary and it's HBO Max, right? So that would mean it's got to be Warner. Yeah, Brothers. it's got to be WB. Oh, how about Iron Giant versus Godzilla? I think they fall within the same scope there. Why not? Like load them up. I I'd be fine honestly with like you know my only gripe with the last one was here we are rehashing Godzilla versus Kong again, but. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing i can do on these podcasts but yeah basically i I think mecha king Ghidorah would be would be pretty fun in the way that like the op nature of mecha godzilla at the end of the last one was pretty fun we we need we need we need a whole like other trilogy with these monsters and just lead it up to like an end game type clash like (laughs) (laughs) mecha godzilla is like collecting some sort of random like energy source that's stored in like <laughs> in these like monarch outposts throughout the yeah we'll, we'll workshop it we'll find something to- we're laughing about it now but like watch if we're still recording these in 10 years we'll be watching godzilla <laughs> into the multiverse of madness <laughs> the godzilla <laughs> multiverse here yeah it's <laughs> yeah he gets sucked into that hole in the center of the earth and gets transported to you know 
some Doctor Strange-esque uh, paint version of Godzilla. I guess that well, might be a spoiler, but not really. It's in the trailer. <laughs> we'll have like a Tobey Maguire-esque reemergence of the 1999 Godzilla. <laughs> he shows up in like, you know, sweatpants and like a I've, I've been Godzilla <laughs> for too long type. <laughs> oh my god. All right, we're giving them too many ideas, I guess, at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we should probably we should probably pivot to yeah. the movies that actually matter. <laughs> Oh man! So we're talking Doctor Strange. So I guess it's only fitting that our our next little bit of news here, uh, the box office performance of Doctor Strange two, which uh, I think initially it, w- it went a little bit over a uh, hundred and eighty million dollars at the box office. Um, I think it dropped by a lot on its second weekend. I think like sixty something percent, which is I think about normal for a blockbuster. But um, I think at the pace that it's going, it might not hit. A million dollars. A million, sorry. A billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, really underperformed all expectations. <laughs> yeah, I, I did see that it like had a major fall off in week two. And I kind of wonder, some of my like spoiler thoughts on that might might be relevant to that later. But I, it's just, it, it was interesting. I, I was kind of surprised to see that it dumped as much as it did me too although i have to say i was reading this article from like deadline saying that like the majority of like second weekend numbers come from like repeat viewings which makes sense uh but i like i myself who normally sees these movies at least twice i've only gone to see it once at this point and it's not a reflection of what i think about the movie i just feel like i'm not i don't know i, I don't feel too pressed to go see it yeah i think you know, that probably speaks to some of like the major points to the movie, but I was similar. Like I, I'm definitely a multi movie watcher. If I really like something, I've been less so obviously with uh, present times, but yeah, like when I, when I got done with this movie, I thought about it for like the next couple days as I usually do, but no part of me after that was like, man, I got to go back and see that movie again, which even like some of the more average like Marvel movies all have that same thing. So I wonder, you know, I wonder if maybe a lot of people are feeling that. I mean, like I went, I, I risked COVID seven times to go see Spider-Man. So. <laughs> yeah, that one, that one I did see a couple times. I saw Shang-Chi. I think I saw that like four or five times. That was, that one was, uh, but then again, it ranks pretty highly for me in the Marvel universe. But um yeah, so some of them, you know, you come away like really wanting more. This one, I don't know why, just not didn't have that effect. It could be. I mean, we're getting into really like new territory with some of these characters too, which I guess kind of brings us to She-Hulk, which is <laughs> <laughs> we have we had the um, what a transition. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> we had that spectacular trailer drop in the middle of the week. Uh, I think the middle of the week. I don't remember anymore at this point. Um, but. Did you get a chance to take <laughs> to take a look oh, at it? Oh, I I did I did take a look. I'll, I'll I'll admit I did not watch it when it first dropped because I I've talked about this I think like offline with both you and Emmett separately I think where we're like I'm I'm definitely in the Marvel fatigue category so I stopped paying attention to a lot of their um, series. Not that I'm not watching them at all, just not as tuned up with it but the but some of the backlash around this trailer got me interested enough to watch it this morning 
<laughs> what were your thoughts? What were your thoughts on the trailer? So, I really liked the trailer itself. However, <laughs> the one big glaring thing, I think, and I think it's the complaint about everybody is uh, like the, the the CGI, like the. Yeah. The thing is, like, the dialogue and all of that is written so well to the character, because this is what the character is. She's basically, like, uh, kind of, like, comedic, but also, uh, you know, like, th- th- this is her. She's got, like, this big, um, uh, she- she's got a big, like, kind of cult following, I guess, for comic book readers. So they oh, nailed okay. her character down well. Um, it's just exactly what I thought, what I was hoping that it would be, but not visually, because visually <laughs> it seems rough, so... Yeah, it's so as like somebody who knows absolutely zero about She-Hulk, I thought like what I gleaned from the trailer was exactly like what you were talking about with personality. Like she seems to have kind of a fun, bigger personality. It's definitely like a modern, modern working adult vibe. Like, I don't I don't know what's an analogous like show type for it, but like it seemed to have like a very light feel to the overall trailer. But then you like see the CGI and you're like, what is going on with it? Like something just looks so off. And it is something that like I've almost noticed a little bit here and there with other Marvel pro- projects, which I, you know, is something I know other people have been blowing up about where like sometimes like the CGI lately has looked a little off. And I wonder like what, you know, I don't know how they fix it with, you know, She-Hulk specifically, but like, was it like accurate to the character in the comics or like proportionally everything just looks off in the scenes where she's She-Hulk. We've gotten used to like anybody who's quote unquote Hulks out, right? Like they'll, it's a very disfigured, deformed kind of (laughs) humanoid, right? Yeah. Whereas She-Hulk literally just grows taller and buffer but she doesn't really lose her appearance. She kind of just becomes a taller, buffer version of herself. Um, and so I think if you do that for like a regular human and just color her green, it looks off regardless of how <laughs> well the CGI is going to get done. Because to me, it like reminds me of Fiona from Shrek. You know, like... <laughs> yes, that's a good, yeah. But I also think, um, well, a couple of things. I think one, the CGI for Abomination and Hulk in the trailer didn't look too bad to me. Like, I think I thought it looked pretty good or well enough. But for her, like, that's the one that kind of stands out. So to me, I'm like, either A, they haven't finished her, uh, the work on her yet. So it kind of looks that way regardless. Or I, I don't know. I mean, this if this is the final project, I'd be a little... I'd be a little concerned about uh, this being the the end product. Yeah, it's it's like because it, I agree. Like the the Hulk CGI, at least from the parts of the trailer, I was you know tuned up on. He looks pretty normal for what we've come to expect, at least from like Infinity War era on. Um, but yeah, like she she looks buff, and it's it's like she looks. I think something about the how they. I don't know, rendered the green that maybe that's what does it. Cause I don't know. It just doesn't quite work. So it kind of makes the trailer in general feel like a little silly towards the end, which like it's meant to feel light, but like in a, in a fun, still marvel way, but the CGI at the end, I'm like, okay, what, what, why, yeah. why can't I figure out what's wrong with this? It takes you out of it a bit. And I yeah. think because like I was expecting like an Ally McBeal type, you know, Marvel clash there. Cause like I always think of like crime procedurals, but with a comedic twist whenever you think of She Hulk. 
Um, okay. Which it seems like this is what, exactly what it's going for. So again, they nailed that part. It's just I don't know. I, I kind of have to remind myself too, like these movies, or these movies, these TV shows don't have like a movie size budget. They do, but you have to split it between six episodes, yeah. and so that's also like technically, if we're talking about a cost per minute kind of thing, the way that we normally do for a movie, it's not yeah. the same budget. I suppose that makes sense because I feel like we get we almost get spoiled with some of the bigger TV shows these days with like you think of some of the bigger Netflix projects or even the upcoming Lord of the Rings project for Amazon or even going back to like the final season of Game of Thrones where you're spending like was it the reports are like 15 million an episode and like with Marvel the multitude of projects you're working on I'm I'm guessing there's no way you could pump that much money into each episode of one of these shows so maybe it's just some outlandish expectations. I don't know though. They have, they own everything now, so maybe they can spend <laughs> all the money. I mean, they should be able to. So I, I do hope they clean it up a little bit, but I, I don't know. I mean, part of me thinks maybe COVID also, because these CGI artists typically work in like a, in a hub together. So if co- mm-hmm. if COVID restrictions are still being followed in the, in their offices, then I guess that makes it less like there's less. Uh, you know, render artists working side by side with each other. Could that impact it potentially? I mean, I, I don't know. There's not to make excuses, I guess, for it, but like it, it just seems, I don't know. Like it, it's rough. I hope to touch it up a little bit before it releases in August, but I don't know. Yeah. Overall, I thought, I thought it looked okay. It just, the CGI was just a little bit rough to look at. From a plot perspective, it looked more like what I'm, what I'd be more interested in watching with some of these like Marvel series is like the Marvel fatigue person over here. Like it's, it looks kind of light and very like easily watchable. And I don't, you know, I don't know how much bearing it's going to have on the grand storyline, which, you know, I kind of vacillate back and forth between like, I want everything to be part of something still. And then now that there's so much, I'm kind of like, well, everything can't be. So, I mean, at least in that respect, it looks like a fun show if it's in a, a fun show if it's self-contained within its own bubble do you have any other big thoughts on she-hulk because i have a good transition if not <laughs> <laughs> no no i'm all done with she-hulk i'm she-hulk out so speaking of cgi talking about something that's not super cgi any thoughts on top gun maverick <laughs> tom cruise is america's gem yeah a lot of a lot of reports about him being one of the last uh you know bankable movie stars uh and some of the the buzz around this movie is pretty huge coming out next week as of recording this. Yeah, I think the the Cannes Film Festival, right? They they held a uh, screening for the film recently. And as somebody who's super into movies, like if the people over at Cannes gave you a, a apparently five minute standing ovation, <laughs> yeah. five minutes that's bananas. Like imagine five minutes. That seems that is. crazy. We're talking about the same crowd that walked out of some like high-profile movies. So, I mean, I guess that's that's a good sign that uh, this movie actually might be really, really good. Yeah, and like to be honest, like I had less than zero interest in seeing anything Top Gun because I it, the first movie was just the music got a little cheesy for me, and it's you know very 80s. But my my fiance is a massive Top Gun fan, so I was always going to end up seeing this movie. 
But even me now, I'm like, hey, you know, like so much good buzz. Maybe it will be good. I don't know. Do you have any uh, any level of interest in seeing it? I just saw. I saw. So not, I just saw. I recently saw the first Top Gun for the first time about like a year ago. I, I've shared a story before, but like I used to. So my dad used to pick up VHS tapes from like this, uh, I guess, bootleg store, and he brought home Top Gun one time, and it wasn't Top Gun. It was Pearl Harbor. So. <laughs> basically so, the same movie <laughs> for the longest time i thought ben affleck was tom cruise <laughs> so the first movie was all right i mean I, I didn't think it was like anything super super special but again i might you know maybe it was a different reaction than those who kind of saw it as it came out but I, i'm ex- am, am i excited for it not particularly but given the hype around it i definitely will give it a watch yeah i i it's one of it's one of those interesting movies where like if you depending on who is like writing or talking about the movie. Like if you're in a certain era where you like, I think if you were at a certain age group, when you saw the first Top Gun, you have like a certain nostalgic factor. And I think it was, it's not a bad movie. Like when you watch it, it just, it, it's so different from like the movies of today. So I'm interested to see how, if they hit on some of those same beats, of the first movie which is very 80s um and it's being reviewed so well i wonder how that translates to today i mean i I know the the action sequences will probably be pretty awesome because they typically are in tom cruise movies um but i don't know we'll see yeah i mean it'll be interesting to see I, i saw one review on twitter or some some like a hollywood reviewer uh, say that it was the best movie he's seen this century. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to gas it up too much, but probably just this century. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're only like, what, 22 years into it at this point? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there hasn't been that many good movies to come out in the past 22 years. You know, it's, it's kind of a dead period for cinema, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of movies of this century, that might be very, very defining for it. Avatar 2 finally reveals itself to us. Yeah, Emmett's going to be jealous of these transitions without him on the pod here. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Avatar Avatar 2, I'll be honest, like, I had been reading these reports, like, even back in the early 2010s about, like, a sequel to Avatar for so long that I forgot that it existed in the last few years. And then, boom, Doctor Strange they dropped the avatar 2 trailer in theaters at least for me like i didn't see it on social media or anything before i went i just watched and i was like oh wait whoa what's going on there what were your thoughts on the on the trailer i think first of all it was really cool that we got to see a trailer at the movies for the first time instead of like watching it on social media first and then like you watch it that same weekend right because they didn't release it online until the Monday after the Doctor Strange premiere. So anybody who went to go see Doctor Strange opening weekend got a chance to watch that trailer before anyone who didn't. Okay, I didn't realize that, but that it, it's true. There is something more. Um, I don't. I don't know what it is. There's some. There's something more like magnetic about seeing a trailer in the theater the first time when you have the excitement of like the movie you're gonna see instead of like in the case of the the Thor Love and Thunder trailer when that aired in Doctor Strange 2 it's like well I've already watched this four times because you know I have no life and I'm 
<laughs> pouring over these things. So now I just see on the bigger screen, I'm like, oh, it's cool. Everything's bigger, you know, versus like this. It was like, oh, wow, I forgot this existed, really, which is kind of neat. Yeah, I so there's a lot of people that are very interested in this movie because I think this is the most watched trailer now on YouTube. I read that somewhere. I can't cite where I read it, but I know I read it somewhere. <laughs> well, if you read it on the internet, it's true. It's got to be true, right? <laughs> 100%. But um, I, look, I liked the first movie well enough. Like, I didn't think it was, like, super, like, a masterpiece um, as a, like, narrative, right? But I think visually it definitely did, like, a lot. It looked beautiful. Um, that being said, I think it kind of relied on 3D a bit to kind of push its its, like, promotional push right because i think that's uh that was james cameron's big thing is like oh like the 3d looks beautiful we're like really pushing the edge of technology here and as somebody with severe (laughs) astigmatism who has to wear (laughs) these glasses uh and with both eyes being super messed up and needing different prescriptions putting on those um 3d glasses on top of my regular glasses was not the best viewing experience yeah. So I'm one of those people that's very glad that the 3D fad didn't actually take off <laughs> yeah. and actually ended up dying a very miserable death recently. Yeah. So, A, I hope we don't go back to 3D with this movie. Uh, <laughs> if it does bring another technological advance, it's fantastic, but... Not, not again. I can't do it again. <laughs> no, no, never. I, I, I will adamantly refuse to watch a movie in 3D. Like, I, I was having a hard time finding a drawing for Doctor Strange 2. The, the, the tell at the box office was like, oh, we have the 3D showing. I was like, sir, no. <laughs> I, I'd rather never watch this movie than see it in 3D. <laughs> Thank you, good sir. <laughs> I would rather yeah. turn the dial up on my astigmatism <laughs> than yeah. to submit myself to 3D. Yeah, I think... So it's it's interesting. You You make a lot of good points there that I think I've, you know, I'm, I agree basically with everything. I think the interesting part, when when the first Avatar came out, right, it was the 3D and it was how immersive this, you know, CGI world of Pandora was, right? So that was that was pretty neat. And, like, the story is, it's it's very watchable and, like, very, you know, everything is entertaining in it, but it's not, like, I wouldn't call it the most nuanced movie in in the world in that respect but it was it's a cool movie that's that looks different optically than like everything else like it at the time and i think it did like change at least how some of some of these like cgi standards i guess are in the movies because if you look at like you know mid-2000s versus i think avatar was like 2009 and then you look at like the 2010s they some of the way that that movie kind of is shot from like you know an action and world building perspective kind of i think sets up some future movies at least in the next decade but to speak to that with the story like i was fine being done with the pandora storyline so i was always interested to see these reports about a sequel for avatar because i you know i don't really know how much how much was there to be told there i know you built this world but like you know outside of maybe the humans coming back and creating more chaos for, um, oh man, I can't remember the name of the people. The Navi. The Navi. Okay. Thank you. 
outside of that, like, I don't know, I don't know that I ever needed much more. And I remember, I don't, I know I've talked to you about this separately, but I wonder <laughs> if you ever read those reports where the technology wasn't good enough for the sequel to happen yet. And I'm wondering, no. <laughs> you know, now that we're 13 years removed, what changed with technology and movie making that, you know, that's now good enough that these water sequences are going to be up to James Cameron's standard. It's definitely not the 3D. I feel like Avatar <laughs> was the last good 3D movie I saw. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I remember seeing Man of Steel in 3D the first time and I about threw up with him flying through some of the, <laughs> yeah. the buildings and crashing where you're just like, okay, I think, you know, you give me nice clear picture and good Dolby surround sound, I'm I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, none of them have been as immersive. I, I don't know. I, I kind of think that maybe the advancements have to do more with um, trying to think here, like the, the, like ease of shots or something like that. Because the, the biggest advancement I think we've had recently has been the uh, the background, um, the, the, the way that they've replaced essentially green screens and blue screens with the, the big like HD pictures that they have now in, in, in the back. Uh, so oh, yeah. the way Mandalorian is shot and all that, like they have actual interactive backgrounds instead of like the actors needing to pretend in front of a green screen. Okay, that makes sense. So maybe that'll do. I just I don't, you know, and I don't know because the trailer itself too doesn't give you kind of similar to I think when the when the trailer for the first one came out, it didn't give you much outside of these like fantastic visuals. It really only gives you like one line of dialogue about their family being a fortress which you know uh, you know i don't know <laughs> like I, it, there's just not not much to go off of based on the trailer in terms of what they're gonna go for with this world and th- i think isn't there supposed to be like five of these or something yeah there's reading somewhere? four planned movies and i think two of them have already been shot oh man yeah so i i mean it didn't seem like they created a lot of potential future conflicts in the first one that would kind of lend itself to four movies. So I don't, I, I don't know. I can't say I'm excited for it. I was excited by being surprised by the trailer, but outside of that, I don't know that I'm like overly optimistic about this movie, which maybe is foolish because the first one performed so well. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like the box, Box office, I guess, will 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 tell ultimately. Uh, th- and you're right; there was nothing story wise in the trailer to kind of make me think where what direction we're gonna go in here. But um, the only thing that kind of caught my eye is I think they have a human child amongst all the little blue children that they've had together. <laughs> so that's the one thing that mm. I was like, all right, well maybe there's something there. Yeah, maybe we're gonna get into the genetics of, you know, how this works. Well, wait. So, okay, yeah, I don't know. It's probably not worth rehashing the first one at this point but yeah i i think anyway like it's i think it, it'll be interesting i'll of course see it because you know if, if anything is generally seeable i'll see it in the theater but <laughs> assuming it's you know safe but i don't know i can't say it's actually similar to the last movie top gun maverick and that like i can't say that i was that excited to see it i know i will see it in theaters but I just don't, I don't know how there's going to be four of these. 
Yeah, I don't know either. And I don't know if my astigmatism st- strained eyes are going to be able to take another experience like this. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Like the other thing too is like I wonder what advancement they're gonna come through with this because James Cameron is kind of taking George Lucas's place as like the the pusher, I guess, for for new and, and better technology and, and equipment. So you know, we've had 3D already, and that kind of faded away a little bit. 4D, we technically have at, like, they call it that immersive experience where they spray you with water and stuff <laughs> in the theaters. Um, just so funny to think of, like, if you don't... <laughs> like, if you were a viewer watching The Society from afar, and you watch people go to a theater to get sprayed in the face with, like, you know, water and, and like get certain smells or like wind at certain points. Like maybe, maybe it does make it more immersive. I have not gone to a 40 movie, so perhaps I don't understand it, but no part of that really, I, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like that would enhance the movie experience for me. It definitely doesn't. I went to see Aquaman in 4D. It wasn't the best experience because I essentially paid $45 to get water sprayed on me every five minutes because the whole movie's underwater. Like, I don't know what I was thinking either. (laughs) I mean, the one benefit of choosing Aquaman for your first 4D movie is that's like five movies in one. It's like one part Indiana Jones, one part like Star Wars, one part a little like Lord of the Rings-esque with its battle scenes. Like they really try to pack every version of a movie, like part scary movie in one part. So like if you don't like 4D in that movie, you've kind of had every genre packed into one kind of mediocre movie. I just can't wait for Aquaman 2 when we look at Aquaman and Mira's divorce and their <laughs> and their entire thing play out in 4D. I, would, I can't wait to be objected to as I'm in the theater. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll make that my first 4D movie, and I'll I'll <laughs> find a way to go. You Emma and I can go to that movie in 4D together. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Did you know that 5D is scratch and sniff? I had no idea that that's what they classified as 5D. <laughs> Wait, is that serious? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that was true. I didn't think Scratch and Sniff had its own D qualification. Well, thanks to Robert Rodriguez, it does. The last Spy Kids had a 5D experience, and that's what it is. It's the Scratch and Sniff cards. <laughs> well, I mean, I would never want to hate on the last Spy Kids. That was uh, cinema gold. gold. J- Junie and, and Frodo being the one at the end. Or the guy? I can't remember which one it is, but... I'm referencing Spy Kids 3 now. I don't know if there was another one, but... Oh, this is Spy Kids 4. Oh no! So I haven't seen the end of it. See now you, you got to go watch Spy Kids Four, man. Uh-huh. That and Paddington too. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what people say. Either watch Spy Kids Four or Paddington Two, and you'll know what's maybe the best movie of all time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just just watch Paddington Two. It, it'll change your life. I swear. I don't. I mean, maybe I almost like that I haven't seen it now because I don't. It's one. It's like a life's great mystery to me. How over the moon everybody is with Paddington 2 and it seems like such a strange movie to be so highly reviewed and so well received by everybody that I kind of like the mystery of not having seen it to just wonder like what what is the story what's going on there if you're ever feeling down just watch Paddington 2 it's like a religious experience (laughs) really okay well (laughs) 
I suppose I need to uh, I need to find some religion. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right. Well, you know what? We I think we spent enough time on the on the news here. <laughs> Probably true. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get into Doctor Strange too. And spoiler warning, I guess, to anybody watching, because normally we do like a spoiler-free segment, but I'm just going to throw that to the It's been two weeks. If any of you haven't seen Doctor Strange 2 or you've been interested in it, it's not our fault, right? Yeah. <laughs> had plenty I of mean, time. Yeah, it's not like this is, you know, breaking news here. <laughs> like, I, I, thought it was a, I thought it was a decent Marvel movie. I didn't think it was anything super, super fantastic or anything that I thought was in my top ten, even. Um... I had some problems, uh, and I'm curious to see what the problems you had with it were, because I'm pretty sure we're kind of aligned <laughs> on, on some <laughs> of those. Uh, but I, I I thought that for... for I guess it seemed like the, the internet in general, or you know, the main consensus was that this movie would have been like the next big Marvel event, and it doesn't really seem to have gone that way. Which I'm glad I dropped expectations on my end for that because I feel like, and especially after reading some of the articles coming out after the release of this film, it seems like they had bigger plans for this movie and they just kind of pulled back a little bit. Uh, From a character development standpoint, I think Doctor Strange, I like him better as a character now than I did in his first solo movie. So I enjoyed it. Uh, I did like that they made Wanda uh, the baddie in this one. (laughs) (laughs) I thought... um, they utilized her well enough. And I was also really, really happy with the cameos that, that did pop up. I was kind of concerned that this was just going to turn into Cameo City. You know, like everybody kind of popping up here and there. <laughs> so in a way, I'm not disappointed that we didn't get certain cameos. So yeah, I mean, I I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I yeah. think ultimately, though, what I really, really... Where I feel like this movie kind of fell short on is the rush it kind of felt like it took its time in some places and then really really rushed to get to the point in others and it just felt a little bit disjointed yeah i think i think that's a good point because that's ultimately like where my i guess like review lies with this movie is that like so it felt like this big massive experience um and it was sort of set up that way in like the trailers and stuff and then obviously you have the big cameos and and the illuminati and stuff in this movie but for all that and all like the implications of like a multiverse jumping superhero with arguably like the two most powerful members of the avengers involved you i almost expected like bigger stakes or like resolution of something or at least being set on the path for these greater things or implications and ultimately that's where the movie kind of feels somewhat shallow to me it's like i was talking with another friend of mine who i saw it with and and we kind of had the same thing where it felt like this big sprawling massive opening in the wall for these marvel movies and ultimately all that came through it was that you know dr strange got some resolution of his relationship with Christine Wanda the, like the fortunate part is that like Wanda is fully realized in terms of power set but as a villain as opposed to a hero where she always felt underutilized and kind of misplaced often and then three like it kind of followed this similar trend of what I feel like is like a 
a depowerization of Doctor Strange, where, or at least inconsistent power set of Doctor Strange, where like in his first movie, you kind of have these mind bending, magic, powerful, you know, these massive universal threats that he's facing in his first movie. That continues with Avengers and Infinity War, where he's kind of shown off to be this pretty, um, pretty powerful being to go toe-to-toe with Thanos in a one-on-one situation with four gems and at least hold his own. But then we have like the Spider-Man No Way Home Doctor Strange who is kind of messing around, gets outsmarted by a teenager, and then ultimately can't really do anything but rewrite his own spell. And then this movie where he's he's more of a passenger in his own journey, which I think is ultimately where I had trouble, like some problems with this movie. It falls in like 15 to 20 range, probably from my Marvel movies where like it's enjoyable. I I enjoyed watching it in theaters. There are some elements that I liked, like the, the Raimi, like horror elements in it were, were kind of fun for a Marvel movie. Um, but ultimately I, it kind of felt empty for the scale as it, it as big of the scale as it's supposed to be. So I think, you know, it, it, it created, it like gave me like some questions, but it felt like it didn't, it didn't push enough to like give me specific questions. Just more like, wow, there's a lot to go on in the multiverse, right? Yeah. It also felt like it didn't really advance this phase of Marvel into where I think people thought we were going to head into. Yes, like, Absolutely. And I think that's been the big, I guess that's the critique of this phase, right? Like, it feels like we're back in phase one, where we're not quite sure where we're going. We kind of think we want to go somewhere, but there hasn't been that Thanos tease here. Like, we don't know where things are going to go. And I thought this movie was going to deliver that um, to some degree. And it turns out it didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um like I like the introduction of uh, America Chavez. I thought it was a really she was a really good character, but ultimately she was a plot device in this movie. Like she wasn't really utilized for anything other than that. Yeah, that's that that was kind of a among the here I am like jumping on another movie, but uh, frustrations with with this movie like uh, America Chavez like super interesting character, super interesting power set. Like seems like they're a great like performance in that role but it felt like they didn't give her enough to do like we get like a tiny bit of her backstory in like one little scene and then all we really know about her is that if she gets really threatened she jumps universes and then she figures out how to turn that into a punch and as like me as a non-comic book reader i i knew nothing about her going into this and i feel like i know other than that she's an intriguing character I don't I don't really know what she is or where she's going like it almost implies at the end that she's going to try to become like a sorcerer and maybe that's I I don't know if you know more can expand on that but I I felt like it was a a good like I can't I I don't uh, know the name of the actress unfortunately but I thought she gave an like an excellent performance in that character but there just wasn't a lot for her to do other than be like like you said a vehicle to jumping universes and that's the thing where i feel like when you said um dr strange felt like a passenger on his own journey i think the reason for that is because some of the big points where like he didn't defeat wanda um america chavez did yeah 
but all the whole time it felt like this was supposed to be Doctor Strange's movie because he was kind of like the four, you know, the the character progressing the plot along. So, but the important parts of the story were not handled by him; they were handled by other characters, and that's why I feel like sometimes that's why it felt like Doctor Strange is just kind of there, even though he is doing most of the work, but he's not doing <laughs> the important part, pieces of things. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I think sums up my feelings well is that like he i feel like there's this like dichotomy of how they try to present dr strange to us they present him as like this arrogant super powerful uh being who is pretty well mastered in his own sorcery at both the end of his own movie dr strange and in infinity war and to a lesser extent endgame but in some of the subsequent or at least these this phase four version of Dr. Strange is, you know, kind of a, 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 I don't know if you want to say finding himself or like a lackadaisical Dr. Strange in Spider-Man No Way Home. And then in this movie, outside of fighting himself with music, he doesn't really show off any big, like any of the big time power. Like he, he doesn't seem to be able to even be in the same realm power wise as Wanda, which maybe that's, you know, I, I think it's fair to assert that she's probably a much stronger character based on what we've seen of her, but he doesn't even put up like a, the tiniest bit of resistance in this movie, which is somewhat like, it just doesn't really connect with some of the things we've seen of him prior in Marvel in these MCU movies as a whole. Well, they, he started off well. That fight with the giant squid thing in the beginning, I thought was was a pretty good showcase of his, his powers. But after that, yeah, you're right. He didn't go toe to toe with Wanda. He's not he's he's not supposed to match up with her power level, at least in the comics. Like okay. Scarlet Witch is one of the top like villains and heroes because she kind of skews the line. She's kind of like Phoenix in that same vein. Okay. So. I did enjoy her turn into a villain in this one. Uh, but yeah, I feel like there were too many characters kind of outshining him in his own movie. Um, which might be part of the reason why this has kind of been an issue too. Because I think there has been some inconsistency with just how powerful he is. Because yeah, you're right. In Doctor Strange 1, you almost kind of get this the sense of like he's kind of like this chosen person. You know, like the ultra powerful by the end of the movie. Uh, but then it kind of turns out he might not be, um, or maybe he's just rusty from being dusted for five years and coming coming back. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe I'm just, I'm holding him to too high a standard. He's, uh, he's off his game a little bit after a, a long layoff, but I think what's kind of interesting is they almost seem like they're trying to position him as like the Iron Man of these movies of the MCU going forward. And that like his, everything he touches has an effect on other movies in the same way, like Iron Man's like technology advancements and like some of the, you know, the old, if you want to talk about like the Ultron stuff or some of the stuff he helps build for the team or present. And then obviously all the way up through the final Avengers movies, he's kind of a central character to a lot of those, you know, phase three movies it almost seems like they're setting up Dr. Strange to be in a similar position, but he doesn't have the same, it seems like his character is more inconsistent and, I, and not that they need somebody to be in that same vein. Cause I think they're just trying to figure out what they want to do 
going forward, but it's because it, you can almost kind of it's it's odd, right? Because like he he almost functions in Spider and the in Spider-Man No Way Home as like a Tony Stark adjacent or like substitute teacher for the Tony Stark role in like if you think about like um is it what's the uh, Homecoming? Yeah. And okay, yeah. And then like in this movie, he almost has his own like Peter Parker esque experience with America Chavez, where it's like oh they clearly have some sort of growing trust or connection level when she's clearly looking for some people to identify and and bond with and it seems like they almost try to tap into that a little bit but they don't he he doesn't create a strong enough presence in his own movie to create a kind of like heliocentric nature to him that kind of bonds these other heroes around him so i don't know maybe i'm getting i'm i'm asking too much of this movie and of Dr. Strange, who is, you know, a di- definitely a different character than how they set up like Iron Man and Captain America in the early movies. But it just, that was where my mind went. Yeah. I feel like they, they might, they, they definitely need to tighten things up a little bit with his character. Cause it has been a little bit inconsistent, but what I, what I did you kind of like is the progression. Cause I think Spider-Man was referenced in this movie um in the beginning i think after they dis- defeated the, the squid monster <laughs> uh, yeah. but it, it also kind of strikes me because in, in in no way home he has absolutely no interest in trying to help peter and like do anything you know because he, he was very much kind of like an antagonist in that in, in the beginning stages of that movie uh whereas here he didn't hesitate to help and so it shows some progression from what he's maybe learned from in, in no way home like he had a very different experience with you know, this young teen versus the last young teen that he had an encounter <laughs> with. Um, even though he doesn't remember his identity, it looks like the events are still remembered, but it's no longer like him helping Peter Parker. It was just him remembering helping Spider-Man with, with the same kind of issue. Uh, which that element I liked, because there is some evolution of his character, personality-wise. Um, the power stuff is very, very, very inconsistent, so you're right. Um, it just like it felt like this movie was rushed a bit sometimes, um, and I think reading some of the articles and back and forth, we we apparently were supposed to get, uh, and it was written that um, Tom Cruise was supposed to pop up as a Tony Stark variant as part of the Illuminati. Uh, okay, that was not um, apparently they they might have gone as far as shooting it, but they ended up not even using it um, for whatever reason, which. If that's true, is wild because you think you bring in Tom Cruise at all to shoot scenes, and then you don't put in. Not that he's some. I mean, I mean, he is a big time A list actor, so it would be kind of surprising to bring in somebody of that level and then bring on some of the Illuminati and some major cameos, but not others. So it makes sense what you're saying. I think they might. I think we're still gonna get the. Tom Cruise, Tony Stark variant, but it might not be here. It might be in that whole Secret Wars movie that they keep talking about. Um, it makes sense, I guess, because now that we've had, I don't know if you've seen the Loki series, but I have. At the end of that, right, like you, the Kang references the whole multiversal war thing. That's that's the whole Secret Wars storyline. So, okay, I, I have a sense that where they're going ultimately is that all these like multiverses are going to start incursions that are going to 
collide with each other. And that's where we're going to see different variations of characters meet each other. And also, I don't, the, the, the Secret War story is still kind of odd and silly in the comics, too. Like, they, they basically, like, are put into this, like, battle arena where different versions of characters from different multiverses fight each other. And whoever loses gets their universe wiped out. Which I don't know how they're going to do that in the live action because it seems kind of like ludicrous just to say it. Yeah, um, that's that's a hard needle. I think that's part of the problem. I think with these movies, at least doing it in a movie sequence, is that's such a like what you reference with that Secret Wars storyline is that would be such a hard needle to thread in in these like big sprawling movies is to have all these big major characters and then having multiverse stakes or like losing your universe if you lose in some well, anyway when is that secret wars movie supposed to come out do you know there's that's supposed to be like the end of uh the next phase of marvel so, okay. so we're years away from it yeah um but yeah i mean like it seems like they're planting seeds for there's certain things like we, we by, by the way, hang on. Before we <laughs> before we start going too deep into that, yeah. John Krasinski as <laughs> Reed Richards. <laughs> yeah, we're really like finding a way to talk around all these major points. So what what did you think? Of, what did you think of John Krasinski in that role? I loved it. We didn't get anything, and he didn't sell me on him being the smartest man in in, in Marvel. Yeah. It, so, I mean, it was kind of like what the the fan casting winning out in this and he does look good in the suit and he looks kind of like what i would imagine a reed richards would look like but they they obviously didn't give him much to do in this movie in terms of like other than like the reveal of him being there and that moment of like oh man there he is (laughs) he yeah i agree like he he almost sold me more as like Jim Halpert is a superhero, which is a horrible like generalization of him as an actor. He's very good in other things as well, but it's just it, he he just came off as this like super trying to be relatable guy, and then he gets wasted. He gets turned into spaghetti, and then <laughs> his brain explodes. <laughs> which the that sequence, which we could probably get to later, is, was my favorite in the movie. But what did you think of all the Illuminati reveals overall? I thought they were cool for the most part. I think there were some missed opportunities because the Illuminati, Illuminati lineup in the comics, I think we're missing Black Panther, we're missing, we're missing Namor and Iron Man. I think the rest of them were, were... There is a version of Captain America in the Illuminati, and over here it was like uh, it was Haley Atwell's Captain Carter, mm. um, which I guess is from the What If series. I, I can't tell if the What If series fits into this or if that's just like supposed to be another variant. Yeah, it was almost like they it's, it's like they borrowed some of that storyline and put it into this movie but not in a direct way so you couldn't say that they're necessarily the same. Right. Yeah. It's kind of what it seemed like, I don't know. I did like that they brought back um I'm forgetting the actor's name but so they did a failed Inhumans project where they introduced oh, yes. Black Bolt and so they got the actor back for this which I thought that was cool cuz they really did my guy dirty in that TV show <laughs> like that was Yeah that I was a pilot. hard watch that was brutal <laughs> that was as far as I got <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah I so I liked 
so he was intriguing as well. And the moment where he dies is is very entertaining, but it also like I think it's it's like the gift and the curse of this Illuminati structure in this movie is like okay, so you have Krasinski, you have um, Monica Rambeau as Captain Marvel, right? Yeah. Um, you have Black Bolt, and then you have um, Mordo as like substitute Strange, and then Patrick Stewart as a uh, Professor X, right? So like, and then Haley Atwell. So it it was all they were all like entertaining, but it was kind of like they were just put in there to die. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. But but we did get like 10 seconds of the original animated X-Men intro when you, when you see Xavier <laughs> Rowland. So for that so, alone, it was worth it. So it, it it was it was the double-edged sword of that with with all these great characters as as a part of this thing was it was super fun to have all those big reveals and the crossover with like who we kind of view as like Professor X and like live action cinema that was all really neat to have them like show up and obviously like John Krasinski reveal all that stuff. But then it was like the, the double-edged sword of like Wanda just ripping through them systematically was really cool. And a show off of like her power, but also like a somewhat of a disservice to like these individuals from this universe who didn't seem all that powerful in the end. Like, I mean, you could say, I guess maybe Maybe Captain Marvel was semi put up a semi reasonable fight, but that was it. Yeah, it did feel like she offed them a little too quickly. Like, uh, like I thought at least Professor X, there would have been like a big action sequence, and she would have blown him up the way that he gets blown up in X Men Three. <laughs> yeah, and X Men Five, I think. I don't know how many times are we going to keep killing Charles Xavier off though? Like, <laughs> yeah, and and they really love dissolving him. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah they did. really no other option. Let's just dissolve them. <laughs> um, so apparently we were supposed to get Michael Fassbender in here. And there was yeah. supposed to be like an action sequence between Magneto and, and Scarlet Witch. Again, cool. But you're right. Like, I feel like th- one of those sets of characters is going to have to suffer for the other one to shine. And so sometimes you kind of you're skewing this line where it's a cool cameo, but it's also like glorified fan service i guess to a certain extent and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't i think maybe i'm you know again asking for too much but i mean in the case of like um why can i never remember uh mr fantastic right yeah okay and um and black bolt those two just immediately (laughs) taken apart before they even like lift a finger um and then you have yeah the the no mouth thing was was pretty clever and then uh for black bolt and then the the spaghetti thing you referenced was pretty clever as well um and then you have like a little bit of a fight between captain america and captain marvel and scarlet witch and that's kind of neat but i i was kind of expecting more of a like a a meeting of the minds with professor x than we got i mean it was kind of like he was trying to it's a thread they never return to where they're like trying to pull out the original Wanda um, from the Scarlet Witch's mind, basically. And then like it collapses in on him and she kills him. And then like 
we don't really return to her having too much of a you know a, a, a dichotomy between herself of like you know how do I want to handle this it was like they tried to open the door to that being a possibility and then never went back well that's the thing they wrote that apparently there was a whole sequence shot or not, I don't know if it was shot I, I know it was written that um uh, Michael Fassbender's character was supposed to be in the intro of this movie where it showed that universe is Wanda coming into like coming into her powers and I guess uh, the Xavier of that universe and the Magneto of that universe kind of team up together to repress her memories somehow so that she doesn't become the full-fledged Scarlet Witch in that universe. Okay. But I th- like if they cut that whole thing, I feel like it also disjoints the impact of the scene later when that version of Wanda kind of stops no that doesn't stop she gives her some sort of she says something and i don't recall at the moment what she tells her but something about love and she kind of like snaps back and decides oh yeah she says something like just know that they will be loved or something right yeah something like that and i think that's what like gets wanda to just be like all right well i'm just gonna destroy the entire dark hole (laughs) and all the universes yeah it's that, that's the tricky thing about this movie and i think why that there's like some problems with it is there's there's great moments like the reveal of the camp of like the cameo moments wanda's like pursuit of dr strange and america chavez through like am i saying that correctly i can't remember yeah okay um pursuit through the hallways of um the alternate universe and she's just like Terminator level ripping through things. That was pretty cool. But then you have like kind of these unresolved things of like, you know, okay, so she determines that she's going to go to any length to reunite with her children. And then they try to pull Wanda out of her, but like that's never returned to. And then ultimately like the other Wanda, she's shown that the other Wanda will love the kids and then she decides that that's fine and then she decides that she's going to kill herself in the dark hold and it's parts of it just don't make sense to me especially like when you think about the implications of the end of WandaVision where like she's she's more or less like she's experimenting with the dark hold but she just came off like noticing the effects of her grief on people as a whole she was in a more like stable mental state i think at the end of wandavision versus here where it's like it seems like the, the and they keep saying the dark hold corrupted her so i guess that's their their um their pivot i guess here where it's like that that kind of explains why wanda is a full-fledged villain all of a sudden which is fine but it's also like i feel like if they were going to do that she should have stayed a bad a bad guy through the entire movie and have her maybe actually win at the end of this movie and the subsequent films, we're just going to have to clean up her mess and lead into whatever the next Marvel villain is going to be. Yeah, I think I would have liked that almost a little more is like she's, you know, I, I like her. I think it almost it makes more sense for the world they've set up that she would become a villain based on all the things that she's lost and never really having a place in the Avengers lineup that really made a lot of sense. So it would make sense that she makes this turn, but then like, yeah, I agree. Like keep it that way. I mean, and in that, in that version or that reality, like I don't, there's not a real way in which she loses. I mean, she seems to be running circles around everyone 
all the time in this movie. Like when, I mean, you look at like her encounters with Wong and um, the like fortress at Kamartage. I mean, she just, you know, puddle, <laughs> puddle rips or puddle jumps through, <laughs> through, through all of them pretty easily. And then yeah, like the whole palace of sorcerers. <laughs> yeah, with these. I, I mean, like without even seemingly trying that hard. And then same thing as like she's what dream walking in that other and that alternate version of Wanda. She's ripping through that cast of heroes at the other universe. I think it's like, what is it? Eight one three or whatever. Or uh, I can't remember what Earth that was, but. Eight nine 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 nine. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? Okay. Yeah. Oh well, I just want to make sure I got the right, you know, universe. <laughs> yeah. I'm. I'm just. So I'm not convinced she's dead at the end of this movie. Um, only because they really take careful um shot to like deliberately show like a blast of red right before the whole tower collapses. Mm. I like. I'm one of those. Like, I feel like they, they they're always gonna be like, oh well, no body, so no death. That kind yeah. of like Wanda seems like she's just now getting into her full fledged power. So I don't think they're necessarily done with her. But that's also my issue with this. Is like if that was gonna be the case, then it should have just been like more deliberate of like having her win here or you know i don't know like going an extra step with her in terms of how corrupted she's become yeah i i, I mean i wouldn't mind if she came back in this villain role i think i think she was a good villain um and i think that's where like that's where this movie had like more positives for me is like her role her performance i think her motivations were like legitimate and she the the like horror movie or scary movie elements that they incorporated into her you know power set basically were i thought were pretty effective i mean that was kind of fun to have her um jump scaring through different different parts of the movie and and kind of the eerie elements that they gave when she's in like dream walking through the other universe i mean it, she has like it gives her of more of an impending nature um which i love so i i hope i kind of hope she's not dead because i would like to see more of her and i would like to see her and dr strange's relationship evolve because i think they're not that i think they have a relationship but i think the interplay between their power sets makes too much sense to have them have more direct confrontations and in this movie i feel like they didn't really have a direct confrontation other than strange kind of buying time the whole time to get away from her and then him dream walking at the end of the movie and using the is it night walking or dream walking uh dream walking dream walking with the dark spirits and then using those as a kind of almost a filibuster her right I'm yeah I mean I I'm not sure where they're gonna take any of these movies like moving forward with with either Wanda or Doctor Strange because they left it in a really weird spot I guess the only tell is like that after the credit scene which I feel like 90% of moviegoers have no idea who that character is or why (laughs) Charlize Theron is all of a sudden in the MCU (laughs) yeah how about that for a big reveal I mean that's the one we haven't mentioned yet that's she's a a massive character to join the MCU or, or actress yeah, she's joining um, 
the universe as uh, I think Clea is her name. Yeah. Yes. So I, I looked this up and read about her briefly. Um, do you know any more about Clea? She's like Doctor Strange's um, wife, basically. Okay. I say that because technically, um, it, it 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 is, but they're like, um, how do I, like it's I guess it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook status, it's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> they're married, but it's complicated. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's like they've moved in with each other, but they're not ready to commit. Um, yeah, she, sleep in separate beds. <laughs> <laughs> she's uh, she's supposed to be the niece of uh, Dormammu, who is uh, who we saw in Doctor Strange one, that giant floating head. Well, that's that's confusing. <laughs> that is very confusing. <laughs> that is, okay, so Dormammu's niece, so his brother or sister's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd hate to be a sibling to Dormammu. He seems like a, a tough hang. <laughs> yeah, also, the, someone's got to explain the science behind, like, so is his sibling also a floating head, or are they, like... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, there's a multiverse of questions to address as to how Dormammu's niece ends up being Charlie's Theron. <laughs> so Charlie's Theron looks too good to be related to Dormammu. <laughs> Well, you know, maybe maybe his brother is quite a good-looking magical floating element. You know, who knows? He pulls like a Zeus, where he's just like, uh, <laughs> you know, he can shapeshift. <laughs> um, yeah, but so do you think she's... So obviously it seemed like they wrapped up the relationship of Doctor Strange and Christine Palmer in this, in this movie. Like, they're almost putting that to to rest so that yeah i guess clea now will become uh, obviously probably more than just his love interest but a major character going forward but that's kind of where the confusing element comes in because you we didn't get a heavy use of wong in this movie he's kind of um he's he's, too busy hanging out with shang chi and like visiting abomination in his cell yeah, I suppose he's got other things to do because in this movie he really doesn't do. They don't have much for him to do other than, you know, chaperone the Scarlet Witch to, um, the original home of the Darkhold, and then he basically has to climb up that cliff for the rest of the movie. Yeah, see, this is why he tries to stay away from Strange in the other movies, where he's like, just don't get me involved. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I do, I just have to climb up these cliffs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, she's she's an integral character to the Doctor Strange comics, but there's also like um, I think she plays a role in Secret Wars or something, which also got me thinking. Like I, I think they are really trying to lay the foundation for that story, hmm. uh, but that's a really long game to play. And like I know they did that with Thanos and all that, but do we really have to wait ten years to see the re- resolution for this? Like I don't know if I'm if I have the um, I don't know the interest to wait for that long to be honest. Yeah, me neither. And I mean, me, I, I definitely fall into that camp just from already being kind of, uh, I feel like I'm in a malaise of interest with the Marvel Universe. Like as these, as more of these like project series come out, I find myself less and less even willing to like start them. I see it more as a chore to like try to catch up. And the movies, while interesting, I mean, Phase 4 as a whole, I'm not, it's kind of 
middling results for me personally. I mean, we had Black Widow, which is a decent movie that kind of wraps up her character. Is that phase four still, or is that phase three? No, that's phase four. That's phase four. Okay. Then Shang-Chi, which I loved and I thought was a nice original like story to boost a new hero, which was kind of self-contained. Then outside of the Wong um, element. Then there was Eternals, which I find myself liking less and less the further away we get from that movie. I just don't I don't know where that even plays into any of this. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. It's but because they erased Mexico City. Uh, that's my biggest gripe <laughs> <laughs> of that movie. It doesn't yeah. make sense. It, it doesn't make sense there, and it really doesn't make sense in the rest of the world they're building, at least that I can see. Maybe I'll be very wrong, and maybe the introduction of Kang eventually will have some something to do with Celestials. I don't know, but like that kind of seems like an odd direction. Spider-Man No Way Home, which is very good, but seemed to be almost like a good endpoint for his character, as opposed to like anything else, though it did kind of open up some of that multiverse door a little bit more with Doctor Strange. And then this movie, which like, I was almost expecting more furthering of that multiverse or the multiversal thread. Or like you mentioned, like, I don't necessarily want to wait 10 years to see another version of Kang that I think is going to be threatening other than the Loki ending. And this did like really did nothing to address the greater whole, at least seemingly. I think the, so I've done some, I've done some reflecting. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've done some thinking the last couple of weeks leading up to Dr. Strange, because I'm like, I think phase four for new characters is setting up the foundation and for older characters, it's almost hitting the reset button a little bit because hmm. for for like Black Widow, we, we hit the reset there because now we've introduced the next Black Widow. We've introduced the Florence Pugh character that will take up the mantle and just kind of go from there. Hawkeye kind of advanced her story a little bit. Um, and then, you know, for, for Shang-Chi, we have an introductory character. We introduced a new element there with those 10 rings. They're probably tied to whatever's coming. Um, so great intro felt like Iron Man one level kind of uh, type of storytelling there. Uh, no way home. You're right. Felt like a really good finality for Spider-Man for his high school years, and at the same time hitting the reset button and getting ready for those more mature stories in his college years. So it it, it kind of like set Peter Parker into the Peter Parker that we remember from the comics, which is the broke living in a really bad apartment kind of like having delivering like, pizzas yeah <laughs> kind of like the the very like crappy life situation that he's you know that makes him relatable i guess in, in the comics um and then now you have dr strange hitting the reset on his relationship with christine kind of moving past all the stuff that we've had uh leading up to that point with with his character although maybe done a little bit sloppily there um whilst introducing like the concept of the multiverse and all that so i feel like it's been kind of that's what phase four has been trying to do i feel like is like hitting the reset on certain things almost like a soft reboot of these characters Mm. which is fine but i also feel like because (laughs) we've gotten used to three phases of marvel where it's like it all ties together i i think what they're trying to do here is tie certain things together and i think that's the element that's missing out of this phase is normally we'd have avengers movies where 
that's you can just follow along those films and still get the point of the whole story. Because uh, I have friends who've only watched the Avengers movies. They refuse to watch the other stuff because it's just like it's just not their cup of tea. <laughs> Too much, yeah. So that's what we're kind of missing here is like some film franchise to anchor like the main big storyline and the rest of them is kind of like reading comic books like you can pick up whoever whichever hero you like their book for this month and they have has nothing to do with the overall story but you get little pieces of it that if you're following everything you just you know you enjoy it a little bit more um but yeah it's it's a really weird experiment because like these movies have gone from being franchise movies to feeling like you're picking up comic books which to me is great but i can also see why they got us used to like needing to read everything or needing to see everything and then now they're trying to be like oh well we're gonna have different pockets of stuff for everybody you know for anybody's interest which is great but it's also like you know we're still used to that over uh one single storyline and vision for the whole thing and to take that away on on, or not have not include that in all the projects seems it makes it feel disjointed where it may not be that might be the point i don't know it's too early to kind of tell (laughs) yeah i think that's a good way to put it because i think that helps frame my thoughts too is like i think when i watch the movies i am i'm looking for how it's gonna fit still which is like you said probably the wrong way to be watching these movies because like when I've watched these movies in in the opposite way, like in in the version of Shang Chi, a movie that I thought is pretty great start to finish, I I don't think at any moment throughout that movie I was like really contemplating how is this connected to the greater story going forward. Almost like the first time, first time like you mentioned watching Iron Man, or even first time like watching Black Panther. Like you, you watch those movies and they kind of create their own world that's so strong and the characters are very nuanced and well-developed that you're like, you're very invested in just that story. So you're not looking at the horizon and in like, in this, in, in the Dr. Strange movie, I think maybe partially because of his role in Spider-Man, the whole movie, I'm like kind of looking where my expectations are, okay, here we go. Like we're going to blow the top off the new big uniting threat. And that's just not the way that this is going right now, which is, you know, I, I think like you say, could be, could be, could be good, could be bad. So I think like uh, probably me as a viewer, I probably need to do a better job of just enjoying the movie that I'm, that I'm watching versus looking for, you know, something else. But I think it's part of it is like, you know, uh, expectation or what is the term when you like, when you preset an expectation. Yeah, they got as used to it. The, la- yeah. the last three phases has been like, that's exactly what you're looking for. Because they even have you, like now they're throwing jabs at us too in the in the after the credit scenes where you're waiting and it's nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. what do you, you know, you have, um, that's the guy from The Evil Dead, right? Bruce Campbell, yeah. Like yeah. in every Sam Raimi movie. So <laughs> yeah, just being like, what are you still doing here? And it's like, yeah. all right, well, this is like that Captain America scene all over again. Yeah, which um, you know, but I think that's that's the thing. Like Marvel's gotten me used to like waiting after credits for everything, where it's like not everybody plays that game. And I think Marvel itself is now like, okay, well, uh, we actually don't have anything for you, so go home. <laughs> well, that's kind of the funny thing is even this movie, they 
they kind of contradict themselves with the after credits, right? You get the first after credit, which does seem to have major implications with the Clea reveal. And then you get the second one, which I understand is like way later. So they're probably assuming most people don't want to stick around that long. But then you have the the Bruce Campbell finally stop punching himself in the face, which is funny. (laughs) But but it's also like, okay, you know, it's, it's just you know, work operating off of the assumption that is this is going to matter or not, which is for whatever story we're trying to run towards, which they've, I think, done a great job of setting up pieces of that. Like the Loki series is an awesome setup for some sort of big multiverse level villain. And it gives you just enough of a breadcrumb of a guy at the end who's like, okay, this dude definitely seems like he's got some, some credence behind him to whatever he's saying. And then he gives you that warning and he disappears. And then now it's like, all right, we're waiting a couple movies. How many movies are we going to wait to see? Or is it all going to be all the way till Ant-Man? And again, Ant-Man's like a character that's like, all right, did anybody really love Ant-Man in the first <laughs> couple phases? He's a fine character, but like, I don't know who's like, can't wait for that next Ant-Man movie. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 it is a. I think we're in uncharted territory right now with Marvel, and but but the other thing too is like apparently, and this is something Emmett and I have speculated on before, but uh, Doctor Strange, WandaVision, No Way Home, and um, uh, the Loki series were supposed to be airing in the same year, or like not too far apart from each other. But because okay. COVID happened, there were delays in production and all that. So I think that threw away the plans a little bit. Because uh, Kevin Feige confirmed that, like, technically the 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 killing of um, of Kang and the spell from No Way Home going wrong and the Wanda turning into the Scarlet Witch was supposed to happen at the same time. Which is why uh... all those three scenes are supposed to be intertwined with each other, but they didn't all come out around the same time. And so now as the audience goers, we can only like speculate, you know, and then multiverse of madness was to come out, was supposed to come out almost immediately after, um, uh, WandaVision. Okay. So that, that might like kind of frame the storyline a little bit better. I think ultimately like the multiverse of madness element of the multiverse of madness really only gave us like one multiverse with some madness with like that other earth. I mean, it really was just those two other than that kind of well, you know, rendered flying through the multiverses where they kind of change into a variety of different versions of themselves. That was pretty cool. Um, In the same way that I thought the, the Wanda pursuit was really cool. And the, the music fight I thought was interesting and like, different and kind of fun um that was kind of cool but other than that we didn't get a whole lot of like madness in the multiverse it was more just like this one other earth has got some madness going on because of wanda yeah i'm kind of disappointed they cut out a lot of the cameos and i think it would have made for at least a bigger spectacle and something that's a little bit more memorable than what we got um ultimately though like i'm satisfied with what we got it's just it seems like we definitely do need some sort of like avengers thing to kind of get people back Mm -hmm. into like okay well now we know what the ultimate end goal is here uh which i hope we build up to at some point 
but who knows? Like, who, who knows how things are going to go? I hope things become a little bit more steady so that we're not losing focus on stuff here anymore. But yeah, I mean, like, overall, I thought it was decent. I thought, you know, I'm excited to see where they take the character next. Um, and then also, like, I just, I have a feeling the consequential movies of this phase is, is going to be the next Ant Man and the Fantastic Four movie that's supposed to end the phase. Because. Mm. If we're going Secret Wars, the Fantastic Four will be integral, and Doctor Doom is going to be integral. So, mm, okay, that would hopefully make sense. they do him well this time. <laughs> of, Just bring so, back uh, the old guy. Oh God, no! <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which version? Because with the the Josh Trank Fantastic Four, they were both bad. Yeah, <laughs> oh, they were both great. <laughs> The the second one gave me like Jack Dorsey vibes, <laughs> and the first and the first dude was just like stuck up millionaire kind of. Thing. Yeah, that it doesn't. He never seemed to be like a universal threat in those movies. So I, maybe who knows? Hopefully it'll be better. One yeah. last thing I have on this movie. Yeah, that I want to ask you about is so the, well two parter one, how did you like? the Sam Raiminess of the movie and two, what did you think of the third eye sprout at the end? Uh I like the third eye sprout. The CGI on it was very it was terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think yeah. the Snapchat has better filters than that. <laughs> it's <laughs> just what how? How is it that bad? I have no idea. The CGI on this movie was atrocious in some parts to be honest. Yeah. It, it just looked bad. Um, the Sam Raiminess, I it, it they, they should have turned that up to eleven. Because honestly, <laughs> I love those those parts. I thought that um, there were some people apparently complaining that it's not too kid friendly, and I'm like, well, you fired freaking Sam Raimi. No duh, <laughs> it's not going to yeah. be kid friendly. And it, and it really wasn't. I mean, it was scary, but it wasn't bad. Like I had scary moments, but it wasn't that scary. The, so the one problem I had with it is there were some moments that were like so cringeworthy, like the um, the music and spots. I felt like they would get on these like in, insane electric guitar riffs in certain moments that were kind of like, yeah, oof, I, I didn't, I didn't, I got why it was happening, but it didn't love it. And then some of the dialogue choices, the. Uh, Specifically, what was it? The go back to hell that Christine Palmer gives him yeah. when uh, when she defeats one of the demons or whatever. I was like, oof, I don't know. That did not land the way I think it was meant to. Yeah, <laughs> they really pushed the edge of PG thirteen. Also, like when she destroyed those Ultron bots, like it, they made it seem like the the oil coming out of them was blood. Yeah, that's true. Was... For a second, I was like, is she, like, is that blood or is that the oil from the robots? <laughs> yeah, they really, to like, find any way to make it look as bloody as possible without using blood. I loved it, though. Like, I I thought some of the horror elements they, they could have used a little bit more of to kind of maybe, like, you know, t take me, take my attention away from some of the CGI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Do you but think, yeah. uh... Do you think the third eye is any, like, bad... Do you think it opens up the opportunity for Doctor Strange to be evil going forward? Or it's supposed to be like a power upgrade, I think, in the comics. So it's like mm. he he's reached like enlightenment or something like that. I think is what it what it means. But mm. the ending of the movie and then like it, it made it seem like it's something 
horrible. So I don't know. Maybe they, they are twisting it to be that way in the MCU. Um, it also threw me off a little bit because he walks out of out of the out of his um out of his apartment out of out of, out of the building uh, at the end scene and then also again in the end credit scene. So I'm like, wait, did he just like? <laughs> oh, forgot something. Let me go back and then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then again, another like super event altering event happens. So I'm just like, okay, what the heck? That, that kind of threw me off a little Every bit. Every time this guy leaves his house, you know. I know, it's, it's always <laughs> something happening. Ugh, another day. <laughs> I, I I do hope we get to see him again in another like capacity. And I don't know, like I, I feel like we just need a little bit more cohesion, I guess, with Phase 4, at least to wrap things up. So I, I hope we get that. Um, it looks like a lot of these like COVID restrictions should not be impending them anymore. So hopefully, whatever happens here on out narratively makes more sense. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I mean, like I'll I'll continue to watch everything apparently. So <laughs> yeah, me you know I'll, I'll complain, but I'll watch it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's all. I got. Sorry, that was very long winded, but that's all I got with uh, Doctor Strange. I think. Well, that wraps up our thoughts. Um, you know, overall, I think we we both enjoyed the movie. Have our it has our, it has its flaws. I don't think for either of us it goes into top ten territory, but um, it was yeah. still enjoyable. But I'll still take this over a Transformers movie or something at an, at any point. I guess that's all. That's uh, un- that's all until, that's all folks. <laughs> until Latris on the Menj. Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll be back to talk about something else soon. Yeah, well, thanks, but... thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.